It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Good afternoon. A very warm welcome to all of you from us here at Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. And a stock of the day as well. So let's get across who's here with us today. Josh Barker is joining us from Macro Capital. Good day to you. Yeah. And Francesco Destratos from Ordmanet. Welcome Thank once you. again to both of you. Hey, are you feeling mildly optimistic when you look at where the market is at after the month that we just had? <laughs> Josh and I were just talking about that. I'm, I'm, I still think the market's probably a little bit optimistic more so than me. Um, I'm not suggesting the market's going to collapse or anything like that. I think it's, um, you know, I think we've got some more interest rate rises ahead, um, uh, particularly in the US, but but potentially here as well. Um, I think the Reserve Bank might go on hold for a month, uh, but I think data, particularly inflation data, is still going to hold up. Um, so I think they're potentially going to be a couple more before um, we get to sort of the, you know, the third quarter of this year. So, yeah, look, I, I don't think the market's going to race ahead of us, but I think we, we may go sideways or slightly lower. 7,232 as we record this mm. on this Monday afternoon. I mean, technically, how is this market looking, Josh? Well, it bounced out of those lows pretty, pretty hard. Um, last four days have been extremely strong. Uh, primarily driven by the US market, but a little bit of uh, positive stuff with the lower inflation here in Australia. So a um, little bit more bullish on the market, even at these levels, I think 7,200, um, especially if the US does get on with its recovery. Um, you know, it showed real strength through this and it's still got a long way to go to get to its highs. So I think, you know, if the US can, can put on 10%, uh, we won't have any choice but to uh, almost follow suit. The Aussie market's always a bit cautious to the upside, but uh, it'll definitely be positive for our market, that's for sure. Okay, so we will continue. One optimist, one pessimist. Yeah, well, well I'm not pessimist. Not cautious. Pessimist. Just cautious, <laughs> yes. but you can be cautiously optimistic as well. But anyway, <laughs> now we're getting into semantics. Let's get across the companies that we'll be talking about, all nominated by our viewers, Austral Resources, Dubber Corporation, Dexas Industria Reit, Tuas, and Centrex Limited. CXM is the ticker code for that one. I'm not familiar with it, so we'll learn something new here potentially today as well. Now, I did choose Sonic Healthcare as the stock of the day. More M&A on this Monday. Sonic has agreed to buy the Diagnosticum Group of labs for 190 million euros. So it is a group of diagnostics labs in Europe. So it's expecting the deal to generate revenues of 65 million euros in FY24, saying the deal will be immediately earnings accretive and that return on invested capital will exceed Sonic's cost of capital. The deal is expected to be done by the end of the calendar year. And the initial market reaction to this has been quite positive. Um, Sonic Healthcare right now, shares are up by about 2%, so outpacing the gains that we're seeing for the broader market. Uh, I'll start with you, Francesco. Sonic Healthcare, it's an interesting one. 
doing, you know, it is acquisitive, but there's, you know, the potential it feels like for, you know, even potential uh, M&A activity here in, it, locally in this space. Yeah, look, um, yeah, revenues, I think said 40, did it say $42 million? Um, I, I think the key to the acquisition is more the synergies rather than the, the revenue, particularly this sort of business. I mean, uh, Sonic has businesses around the world already. Um, I'm sure that they'll, they'll realise some cost savings in that. So I think that's where the market sees the positive in the acquisition. Normally, the acquirer, um, you might see their share price come back a bit when they make a, a, an announcement like that, but um, um, market obviously likes it. And, and look, you know, Sonic Healthcare, um, we have a whole recommendation on it. I do like the business, but I, you know, I think the share price um, is is probably still a little bit high for my liking. Um, it's trading on just just over twenty times, which I suppose is normal for for a healthcare stock. Um, but that being said. Um, yeah, they, they, they experienced a significant jump in revenues during COVID because uh, they were one of the main testing uh, organisations here in Australia. Um, and obviously now that COVID is further behind us, um, then then the, the testing of COVID declines a bit. And I think the market missed a little bit of, of the changeover because um, what happened during COVID was a lot of um, elective surgeries were put on hold. So a lot of testing for that was put on hold as well. So so what they lost in revenue from COVID or, or, or are losing in revenue for COVID, they're picking up for um, the pick up on that, those testings for the for the non sorry elective surgeries. So I do like the business. Just these prices are probably fair value. So I'd be a hold on that. Um, if you know if it got down to the low thirties or, or under thirty, I'd be definitely a screaming buy. Mm -hmm. Okay, we will keep an eye on that. So uh, Sonic, it is well, it had plenty of liquidity, obviously, to mm. you know to execute this M and A. Um, it's doing so with an existing debt facility. Uh, do these types of companies have to keep growing to remain competitive? Well, I think it's always been such a strong performer and it had that boost from COVID. So I like the acquisition. It's more focusing on their core part of their business. Um, so, yeah, I guess with that sort of recalibration after COVID, the, the COVID part of their business dropped by about 72%, um, which means it still actually makes up about 10% of their business. But the, the core part of their business is still growing by, you know, that 6 or 7% for the last couple of years. And uh, this should hopefully help it shift that more away from the, the COVID testing. Um, it's up about 20, 25% from the lows. Um, I'd call it a hold for now, um, just based on the fact that just being a little bit fussy that it's still getting 10% of its revenues from that COVID side of the business. So I'd rather wait until that zero and see how it does on its uh, on its own accord. Mm -hmm. if, if they ever get to pure zero, I've still got, uh, you know, people in, around me sort of talking about COVID still, believe it or not. <laughs> um, it's interesting though, Macquarie, I know at the last at the last reporting season flagged, you know, where's the growth going to come from for mm. Sonic? Does, does this acquisition go some way to answering that question? Yeah, well, they're going to have to sort of counteract those losses in, in some way. Um, and yeah, their normal business revenues are just sort of ticking along. So it might not start to justify that high PE that most healthcare companies do. So yeah, they do have to keep growing. They have to keep making those acquisitions um, and they do have to you know get the synergies from those businesses. Okay, so hold from both of my guests for the stock of the day, which was Sonic Health. Let's get to these companies that have been nominated by you. Uh, Guru Gurjan is Austral Resources. He's nominated this one, it's AR1. 
he would uh, just pointing out that it's one of uh, the few pure copper plays on the market. He reckons that it's under the radar with a leaching plant in place. I'll start with you on this one. Um, Josh, because I know you guys are pretty positive on copper there at Macro Capital, mm. and we often do talk about the lack of you know pure copper plays here in Australia. Yeah. So what do you know about Austral? Yeah, good little company actually. Um, so they've got a new new on the market. So they they listed on the market a couple of years ago. Um, fair few of um, that happening with today's stocks. So it's worth worth noting. Um, yeah, definitely like it. They've got a copper mine in production, and they've also got a jork mineral resource uh, for another mine just nearby. So not only um, will they have the revenues coming through from this one project, they've got the, the room to expand that and uh, kick up another project in the Mount Isa region as well. Um, with this one, um, it's had a very volatile run, sort of 20 cents to 60 cents and, and back down. Um, they do something quite interesting, which is uh, basically um, looking at making copper cathodes, which is electroplating the copper, makes it a lot better for conducting heat and electricity. So a lot more used in, in the copper wires. So it's going to be uh, good for that. They've got, done some really good things so far. Um, yeah, I think this one's a, a decent little company if it fits your profile at about 100 mil um, market cap. So yeah, I'd, I'd have this as a buy, yeah. Buy, first buy of the day, first buy of the week. <laughs> Funny that for Austral Resources. Um, are you, I, I, just by memory, I think you're pretty positive on copper. Yeah, look, I'm positive on copper. I think the, the, the broader macro outlook for copper is is definitely positive, particularly with, you know, obviously electric vehicles. Everyone's focused on lithium and the lithium price has gone ballistic, although it's collapsed a bit in the last couple of months. Um, you know, there's a fair bit of copper still got to go into those vehicles. Uh, but there's also, um, you know, talk about... Um, um, the Chinese having to upgrade their 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 electricity um, um, grid lock, uh, sorry grids, mm -hmm. um, which takes a hell of a lot of copper. So so I, th I think the demand for copper um, will remain high and potentially grow, um, and obviously the supply needs to catch up. Probably not. You know, our preferred um, stock in this space uh, at the moment is Aeris Resources. Uh, they've got four producing operations um, and. And their long life de developments and low cost producers. This one's probably a bit young for us, as in, you know, probably a bit early stages. Um, although, um, you, know, uh, you know, listening to what Josh had to say there, that, that does uh, appear to be a lot of promise in it. Um, I would say that um, it carries a little bit more risk, but the rewards would be there if they're successful in what mm -hmm. they do. So, those uh, investors that um, um, have the appetite for that sort of risk, and I'd say it is a fair bit of risk. Um, then it looks promising. I need to have a closer look at their, their numbers as far as how much cash is sitting on and so forth. Um, but um, it does look promising. Um, but from our point of view, you know, Eris is probably our pick. Okay, we didn't quite get there with the double buy, but no. um, he does like it. And it might be one for the watch list. You know, with these type of earlier stage companies, you can quite easily track their progress just by following the ASX announcements that come up, you know, pretty much every time they, they find something, drill something, drill digger for something, or come upon something uh, that they hadn't planned to. So there you go. There's Austral Resources. Hope that does help you form an opinion. And don't forget, this is information only. This is not financial advice. And it's definitely not tailored to your circumstances um, or risk profile. Let's get to the second stock. And this has been picked by Raj. It's Dubber. He says, is there a risk of administration for, their, for this company? Or is there some real value? 
here. Um, Dubber, what do you think? I'll start with you, Josh, on this one as well, because this is one of those companies that, uh, yeah, you could say benefited from mm. a lot of the enthusiasm for these companies around the pandemic, and it's yeah. just been it's just been one-way traffic since. Yeah, look, I'd probably say the likelihood is with the first part of that question, the administration side of things, because costs have really blown out. Um, they've gone from a $9 million loss to an 18, to a 31, and now an $83 million loss. Um, they're doing a company restructure now to reduce costs, maybe a little bit too late. Um, the restructure is reducing about $5 million a quarter. Um, so probably too little too late, um, unfortunately, for these guys. Um, interestingly enough with this one, um, if you had bought this company about five years ago, at one stage, you would have been up over a thousand percent. Um, and if you just kept holding from that price five years ago, you're down 50% now. So I think that's a good lesson in trimming. Um, happy to take some profits on the way up. You know, you're betting that uh, this company is not going to be the next Amazon or Facebook by taking those profits. Doesn't mean you have to sell out completely, um, but you can see there, you know, you would have evaporated a thousand percent profit. Um, most recent market update, just to top it off, they lost $1.3 million that they had with Silicon Valley Bank. So, oh, um, yeah. yeah, not not great. And that was but just- But they would have been made whole. Um, they haven't announced to the market that they have mm -hmm. yet, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just another thing that- Yeah, another uh, red sort flag. To it. Yeah, exactly. So it says it's not a material impact, but um, uh -huh. yeah, I think- if So the second part of that, that question, I think is you're mm -hmm. saying, no, there's no real value to no, be realized no, here. No, it's, it's not a cheap sinking ship at all. So avoid. That's an avoid or sell, I suppose, if you have it, one-way traffic. What do you think? So. Yeah. I've just sort of Googled it. It's, to, it's, to, um, to Josh's point about sort of, you know, if you'd have bought into this in the early days and um, taken some profits, I'm a great believer in take at least take your cost base off the table with those sort of things. Mm -hmm. Then you've got a free ride, you know. And if it disappears, well, okay, you've missed out on opportunity, but at least it hasn't cost you anything. Um, so, so you know, that's a rule that I always look to put in place, particularly if high-risk plays that are, you know, going up in multiples, um, look at taking your cost base off the table um, and, and don't be too greedy on them because you want to leave a bit there for someone else. But in this case, you're probably not much for someone else at the moment. Um, yeah, to Josh's point, you know, the, the, the losses are just stacking up. And, and that's on a growing revenue too. I mean, revenue um, in 2022 went from 20 million to 25. Uh, so you're getting, you know, 25% growth in revenue. But the costs are going up significantly, um, and a lot of it. I had a brief look at the the, the financial statement from last year. A lot of it's um, staff wages, not good. Um, so I'd avoid it like a plague. If I owned it, I'd be uh, yeah getting out. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah, oh, yeah, and that's without having too close a look at it. Um, we don't have any formal recommendation on it at all. Minute we don't cover the stock. Um, but tech space is, is I, I think, going through a bit of a clean-up at the moment. Um, you know, a lot of companies that, um, you know, have been operating inefficiently um, are, are really, you know, getting put mm -hmm. to the sword. So I'd be, yeah, looking for the doors. Thank you. Let's get to Dexas Industria REIT. 
Um, and I'm just looking at some of the broker calls on this one. You know, we've got an outperform from Macquarie, an ad from Morgan's. Uh, Industrial has been really, again, one of those real winners through the pandemic, but has maintained the momentum. And a lot of conversations I have with analysts are expecting that to continue just by the very nature of how we transact these days. Uh, What's your view on Dexas Industria, Francesco? Yeah, look, um, just in the property property side of things in general, um, I think with rising interest rates, it's probably a place that's um, not necessarily come at a lot of pressure, but it's coming under pressure because obviously they, they are geared uh, into the property market and property prices are, are stabilising, if not falling. Um, we're starting to see some vacancy rates, even in the industrial space. So um, I'm not a fan of the overall property trust sector, but those that are managing portfolios um, that need to have some sort of allocation there, um, you know, I, I think industrial's okay. Um, it's better, than, obviously, than, than residential, um, and I think it's going to be better than um, retail at the moment. Uh, but that's being said, I, I, we don't cover this stock and we don't have a recommendation on it, but looking at the numbers that I can see, um, it, it looks reasonably attractive. Um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't say no to it. Um, but in this, in this climate, I'm looking at um, property trusts like the uh, Charter Hall long-awaited uh, lease expiry trust where you know that the, the property prices okay they might fluctuate a bit but the, the tenants are um, hardcore big blue chip mm-hmm. companies or government departments that um, you're not going to be negotiating downgrades on rents and things like that so um, yeah look I, I don't mind it I, I, it looks okay but um, I, it's not the space I'd mm-hmm. be sort of going into too much at the moment. Fair enough. Okay, let's get to Josh. What do you think? Because property is a bit vexed right now, if you think yeah. about where we sit in the cycle. Yeah, we've always viewed um, industrial over, oh geez, maybe three years now as our as our preferred one. Um, this looks like a, you know, sort of attractive proposition at the moment. It's yielding about 6.3% all cash paid quarterly. Uh, very consistent as well. Its gearing is currently about 23%, so pretty low. Um, Their range is 30 to 40%. And they've actually hedged about 60% of their debt. So their cost of debt is about 3.4% because they've hedged a lot of it. Last year it was 70% hedged. So um, they've done the right things from a long-term management point of view in managing those interest rate risks. Yeah, interestingly enough, this company has outperformed the ASX 300 property index on a one year, uh, three, five, and even since IPO basis. So seems like a really strong company. Um, They do have one part of their business, however, which is a um, technology park in Brisbane. Mm -hmm. um, And that's got really low um, occupancy rates at the moment. The industrial part of their business is about 100% occupied. Um, and this is just dragging it down. So I don't think that's really going to change uh, in the near future. And uh, those you know, businesses have got a lot of uncertainty to face and, and definitely dialing back their expenditure because they have to. Um, so yeah, it's almost perfect apart from that one technology part of the business. So just to hold for now, you may be able to get it on cheaper in the future. Thank you. So a hold, and I'd probably call your rating a might hold. Be, might be light and just Lighten? have a closer look there. Okay. It looks a little bit expensive on a PE basis and dividends aren't as attractive as you can get elsewhere. 
Oh, well, I'm glad I asked. So but, that's but, but, you know, like yeah. I said, you know, uh, Dexas is a good manager. Mm-hmm. The properties are probably reasonably positioned. Um, but as Josh mentioned, you know, they've got a bit of IT exposure. So that that's always a bit of a caution at the moment as well. Thank you. All right, let's get to, to us. So a lot of people probably haven't heard of this one. TUA is the ticker code on the ASX. But correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, this is sort of the um, remainder of... Singapore Telecom's sort of... Well, it is Singapore It Telecom. is Singapore Telecom. Well, TPG TPG, Singapore. yeah, Singapore. So now they're separate. To us is yeah. listed. Is David Teo still the man? D- David Teo's uh, the chair. Yep. Um, okay. I think his brother's on the board as well. Look, I, I look you're right. It's a, it's a one that popped up and I've gone, who the hell's that? And then yeah. when you read into it, you go, well, that's who it is because... Um, just so um, your viewers are aware, TPG merged um, with Vodafone, uh, Vo- and that, with that merger, they didn't want to be um, uh, owning the Singapore business, so it just spun out and or demerged uh, TPG Singapore uh, to be an independent um, business on its own. Um, David Tia, who was uh, instrumental in TPG, um, he, he, you know, is still on the chair of that, um, or is the chair of that. Um, it appears to be running at a loss at the moment, but. Looking at the growth in um, subscriber numbers, I dare say that they've been focusing on that. Mm. Um, One thing that really strange to me was when when I looked in it, um, they're talking about 4G. Um, They can't be that far behind, are they? No, well, I Um, see just here 5G updates. The 5G network upgrade proceeding well on target to achieve 60% of outdoor coverage by the end of this year. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Obviously, a country like Singapore shouldn't be sitting on Mm. 4G, should be moving towards 5G. Um, I like, it's one I would watch um, at the moment. So uh, uh, just watching the, the, the revenue numbers grow, um, or if you've got confidence in management and, uh, and the board, uh, which is where I would gain my confidence from, um, it might be a, um, it'd be a high risk play in the telco sector, but um, um, if they're gonna achieve those sort of growth numbers over a two to three year period, uh, we might see the losses turn into gains very quickly. One for the watch list, how about you, Josh? Yeah, look, everything looks okay in the report. They're rolling out 5G and broadband to that part of the world for 20 bucks a month, which is pretty good. Um, so, yeah, look, they have had, I mean, their, their revenues have gone from 5 mil to 50 mil over the last couple of years. So definitely growing quite strong. Um, yeah, just uh, it, it is a very confusing report to go through, which was uh, definitely not good for my OCD. Singapore accounting. Yeah, they, they report in <laughs> Singapore dollars. They also finished their financial year on the 31st of January. So, um, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, it, it's something you want to know a lot about the telco market in Malaysia and uh, specifically. I just have it as a hold. Um, I've been picking up some Aussie broadband recently, so I think I'll just stick with a business that uh, I can understand a little bit more easier. Okay. So that's a little bonus buy coming from Josh. ABB is a preferred pick in the space. Uh, let's get to the next company on the list, and uh, that is Centrix Limited. Let's see if we've got any context. This is for Ken. Hey, Ken, I hope you're out there listening. He'd like to get some thoughts on the company. He reckons they've got a few different projects headlined by the Potash Ardmore project in central Queensland. Okay, this might not be uh, you know, dinner table conversation, but I did do a really good interview on Friday with a gentleman who invests in uh, the whole Potash food security theme. And look, it's, uh, it's 
it's definitely one of those sort of focal areas to watch. I don't know a lot about Centrex. Do you, Josh? Uh, I do now. Um, <laughs> so fa fairly new company. Um, you know, their revenues have really just started to tick up seven and a half mil um, in the last six months. So they're starting to write receipts. Um, they're doing a lot of the, the phosphorus, which is one of the key ingredients for um, nutrients in plants. So that's, uh, you know, really done well. It's, it's an attractive chart. It's a very strong uptrend for a small cap. I will definitely say that. They've got some really exciting big plans, I think. So I definitely wouldn't sell this just because they have, you know, really ambitious targets. You know, they've recently signed a deal with um, Samsung CNT, not Samsung, the, the phone company. Um, they supply uh, a lot of the uh, potash and, and phosphorus and, and rock uh, nutrients to Korea, Japan, Indonesia, India, and Mexico. Uh, they've also recently signed an agreement with Horizon, AZJ listed ASX company, to provide the rail services for getting that out of the country and, and selling that on. So they seem to have some quite big plans. Um, it's definitely moved already as it's moved from you know being an explorer to going into production. So it's quite high, um, but I definitely look to hold on to this one. Seems like a, a good company looking to do big things. Mm, interesting. Okay. Well, have you had a chance to really delve into Centrex? Um, probably a bit the same as Josh. I'm you know looking at it. Market cap's about 98 million for this type of company. Um, it's I'd consider it an explorer still, but it, I, I suppose it is in the process of um, becoming a producer in in the phosphate side of things. They do have another project uh, in well the, the 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 phosphates in Queensland. They've got a a, a potash project in WA and um, a base metals project in Goulburn. I wouldn't look at that one too much because I think that's probably a bit far out, but the, the potash one. So so really focused on the fertilisers, um, even though it comes in the material space, uh, you know, I'd probably more look at it from an agricultural um, side of things um, and, and suggesting that the demand for this um, type of product is is going to continue to um, to grow, if you like. Um, and and the, the I don't see a lot of new supply coming on board for them. Um, it's promising to see them signing off-take agreements. Um, cash flow is obviously negative still, but um, you know if the if the phos uh, if, if the phosphate um, mine starts producing, that might turn around very quickly. Um, I'm with Josh. I wouldn't be if I owned it. I wouldn't be selling it. Um, doesn't look like a huge amount of liquidity into, into it either. Um, but that can turn around really quickly, particularly if they start to publish some really good numbers on mm -hmm. a quarterly basis. So I, I keep an eye on the quarterly numbers um, because with that sort of low volume, if it does become of interest, uh, you can see the share price jump pretty quickly um, should the interest pick up on it. Because like you say, all three of us, you know, we've had to have a close look at it because we haven't come across it before. Mm -hmm. um, but when people start looking at things like this, then you must find institutions are looking at it as well. Yeah, you know, I thought it was uh, pretty interesting. So it says, Centric, discovering and developing solution to the world's resource needs. Guys, that brings us to the halfway mark. So I'll let you both take a bit of a pause and I can just run us through. Uh, what we've learned so far, so our stock of the day, Sonic, it's a hold from both of my guests. Joss wants to see what it looks like once that 10% worth of COVID revenues finally, finally uh, goes to nil. Uh, look, Francesco just sort of has questions around its valuation, just the price really, um, but pretty solid business overall. Then the first on the list 
from you all was Austral Resources. The guys at uh, Macro Capital really like the copper theme. He says it's a good little company, pretty decent. It's a buy. Francesco though says ah, it's a bit young, like very early stages for him but he recognizes the appetite for copper. His preferred pick in the space is Eris Resources. Dubber, so will it go bust? Well, they didn't really say for sure. However, and Josh's words, it's too little too late to get this cash burn under control. It would be an avoid, it would be a sell if you have it. Uh, Francesco says he would actually avoid it like the plague. <laughs> Losses are just really stacking up there. Dexas Industria, Francesco says lighten. He says it's okay in the industrial space, but he just not really positive on the future of rental growth going forward. He would prefer in that REIT space, Charter Hall, Long Whale REIT. And it's a hold for Josh and the team at Macro Capital. Industrial is their preferred pick in the, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the, um, in the real estate space. Boy, I couldn't get that out. Um, and it's been an outperformer, but it's just a hold. To us, it's on the watch list for Francesco. It's a hold for Josh. He doesn't like figuring out all those counting. His OCD flares up. He would prefer ABB, a company that they know and obviously like. Centrex, you just heard what they said, so it's a hold for both of my guests, but an interesting area of the market. So there you go. That's the halfway mark on this Monday edition of The Call. Investment Committee. Let's talk Investment Committee. So we have a new episode coming out tomorrow. You will be able to watch that uh, just after the close of trade live. And then we will be putting it up online after that. So let's check in with the portfolio. That's what it looks like. Hey, I received an email from a viewer out there. I've taken your points on board. He says it's pretty hard to read because all of those stock names are pretty small. And also your point taken on, yeah, repeating what's in and out at nauseum through a month. So there you go. We listen to our viewers. You can always email us at the call, osbiz.com.au. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what's in, what's out, or if some of that cash is touched, 11.2%. Here's what it looks like so far. This is from March of 2022, up close to 9% on a cumulative return basis. So yeah, tomorrow, new investment committee is coming online. Looking forward to that. Okay, in this half hour, Megaport, Duratech, Sunrise Energy Metals, APM Human Services International, and Charter Hall. Francesco, boy, we are stretching you today, aren't we, with all of these smaller companies? It's That's good. all right. Yeah, great. That's all right. Let's start with Megaport, though. It's been in the news as of late. Uh, the share price has been absolutely hammered. Longtime CEO stepped down. They did make some replacements, but it just appears, to me at least, looking in, outside looking in, Francesco, that, um, yeah, uncertainty. It, you know, investors don't like this kind of uncertainty. What do you think of Megaport yeah. in the longer term? Um, Look, we, we at odds. We like the stock, and we've mm -hmm. got a buy recommendation on it. Um, and looking at the numbers, um, you know, the, the 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 losses are declining significantly. So we, you know, we look at um, in in twenty twenty two, we had sixty one million dollar loss. Twenty three, we got a twenty two million dollar loss, and then forecast into sort of sorry in 22 we had a 22 million dollar loss and then forecasting 23 full year we've got a seven and a half million dollar loss so so the losses are declining significantly um yes um there has been um 
a change at the helm and there's a new CEO, um, but um, our, uh, our analysts seem to um, approve of that, if you like. Um, and just looking at it broad, more broadly, it is a tech stock um, and the tech space has been beaten up significantly. Um, this one I don't mind um, because particularly with a lot of um, uh, businesses being hacked these days, what we find is the strategy behind companies is is to outsource to a number of these providers rather than going to a provider and providing them with the whole service uh, package. Uh, what they'll do now is to, to try and reduce the risk of um, um, you know, being hacked and data being stolen is they'll utilise a number of providers of these types of serv- IT services um, and, and, and you know things like storing data and that. Um, so, which is a bit like a property trust, if you like. Um, but um, yeah, look, we like the business. Um, we think that the change in management has been a good thing, as in the appointment has been good. Um, so we maintain a buy recommendation, particularly at these prices where it's come off quite considerably. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to put a target on it, um, but you know, if if t- the the forecast numbers we have on 2024 are anything to go by, then 25 looks like we'll turn into a profit. Got it. That's 25, you said. Yep. Got it. What do you guys think, Josh? There at Macro. Um, definitely still a little bit early for us to step into it. It's not one that we're involved in. It's probably not our most preferred of the good tech space here here in Australia. Um, definitely preferring realestate.com and Zero around these levels, um, showing a bit more signs of life and had those reports to kind of justify that movement as well. Uh, but definitely a good company over the long term. Put it on your watch list. Um, I'd personally like to see some like that profitability come in, um, you know, some of the uncertainty around the new CEO go away first. So I'd be happy to buy it um, a lot higher if I'm wrong here and, uh, you know, get in with a lot more certainty. Uh, interesting. Um, are you guys having plenty of conversations about adding growth to portfolios? When is the right time? Because that's the question that now yeah. is rearing its head. Yeah, well, it's, it's simply the opposite of what we've been saying for the last 18 to 24 months. Um, what will benefit from an interest rate that's coming off um, will be those quality tech names. I think it's a, it's a bit of a different environment now with entering the recession in the tough times, but definitely the stronger names, the ones with um, you know strong market share, growing market share, almost like a monopoly in their niche space, uh, will be the ones that do well. So Zero and Ria are definitely two that, that tick our boxes for that. Francesca, what about you when you're speaking with clients? Um, you know, there's been such a pall cast over Aussie tech, but you can see what's happening in the States. Yeah, if but we that's see, liable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of these tech companies are running losses, and that, yeah, that's not unusual. Um, you know, if you look at a, a company like a, a mining explorer, you know, they're not making any money, they're drilling holes, they're spending money. And, and, and it's the same with a lot of tech companies when they uh, start to kick off, there's a lot more costs involved than, than, than you know, revenue and therefore they run at loss. But they, their idea is to develop those um, uh, products that they're working on or services that they're working on and, and, and maintain the cost structure, but 
uh, increase those revenues and turn into profits. And that's what we see Megaport doing over mm-hmm. the next sort of year, you know, 18 months to two years. Are your clients reticent to put growth names in their portfolio? Do you have to convince them? Are you even willing to now? Or do yeah. you still think, given your view on interest rate, that, that oh, look, you, can, you, know, you from, can wait? From a managing a portfolio point of view at the moment, if I'm sitting on a bit of cash, I'm still sitting there at the moment. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, am I looking at growth stories? Um, look, would I put a, you know, I suppose you're asking, would I put a client into Megaport? Um, if I'm putting a portfolio together and that was my allocation to the tech space, um, then I'd probably go easy in first. Um, a lot of the time we'll, we'll sort of say, well, let's say for instance, we've got X amount to go into uh, a portfolio and we've got this portfolio sort of, you know, allocated to certain stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll look at each individual stock and their prices they're at at the moment and decide whether we want to go into each one individually. And then we might decide only to invest half of X into mm-hmm. the portfolio, so then we'll go half. Uh, and, 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 you know, the allocation to, to technology, um, we'd be underweight the market, which I think the market's around about, well, it's less than 5% mm-hmm. in, in technology. So we'd be probably looking at 3 2 3 4%, something okay. like that. Interesting. Thank you. Thanks for letting me ask. Let's That's get good. to stock number seven, Juratech. This is coming to us from Adrian. He says, this is a 13-year-old business floated back in 2020. Well, that doesn't make sense for it to be 13 years old. But anyways, turnover was 310 mil last year, but is now expected to increase to 420 to $416 million. So let's get to the company itself. Um, I'll start with you, Josh, Mm. Juratech. Yeah, so the company's been around for 12 or 13 years, but it's only just recently. Just listed, listed. yeah. Yeah, so another one, three years on the market. Um, Interestingly enough, in, the, in that 12 years, it's grown revenues uh, on average at 32% each year. So very strong track record despite the company only being on the market a couple of years. Um, basically, they're doing engineer services for a wide range of industries, so defense, mining, energy, um, industrial and transport, all, all, the, all the things that you probably want exposure to at the moment. Um, market cap of around 200 mil, and they're expected to do 450 million revenue, so it's a small profit margin business because they're, um, you know, basically they're, they're labouring out the work. Um, but yeah, no, it looks phenomenal on the charts. Um, it's it's really recovered after listing um, back to those highs, and the way it's done it has been really constructive and healthy. So. Um, it's almost done it so well that uh, it'd be difficult to say it's a buy here given given its performance over the last yeah. year, you can see there. Um, super consistent and it's getting up to that initial listing price, but definitely a hold. Um, very much would like to put this on the watch list. If you like the company, if you understand the space that it's in and you can afford to be quite patient with it, um, I think it's a really strong company that's just going to keep doing what it's doing. Um, started paying dividends, not huge, but uh, you know they're, they're dedicated to shareholder return nevertheless. Yeah, its most recent financial results showed that revenue was up 75% in the half on the PCP. Mm. Uh, net profit at 7.8 million, up 981% on the PCP, and it provided guidance as well. Revenue ranged between 420 and $460 million. So it's making money, it's generating generating cash and it's got a really healthy balance sheet as well with a closing cash balance of more than 60 million dollars what's there not to like francesco except for maybe you know it's run so hard already well sometimes when you run these businesses hard too there's you might find a, a you know one of the cogs missing and it could slip i'm not saying it will but um 
look, th- those those numbers look great. The the growth looks great. Um, it is trading on a relatively high PE, but when you're putting growth numbers like that together, um, sometimes um, shares deserve to trade like that, um, and this probably does. Um, I would say I'm probably pretty much similar to Josh and say at these prices I'd be holding um, and the rally in the share price. Um, sometimes you can see some the, the moments like this where the share price is, is traded um, significantly well that some shareholders might like to take a bit of profit and that tends to give you a little bit of a pullback at times. Um, the only, I mean, I don't know a lot about the company, don't know the management. Um, but as Josh mentioned, your margins are pretty thin on this type of business, so you just got to be careful because um, if there is one of those cogs missing and, and it slips, um, then a, a, a profit can turn into a loss very quickly because the margins are so thin. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but look, I'm not saying it will. Um, I'm just saying that, you, that they're the things you've got to look out for. Um, but I'd be whole. I suppose as well with a business like this, you want diversification in client base? Yeah, and no, I think they do. You know, the, the, your water, transport, marine, defence, commercial. You know, there's a really good diversification there. Um, but it's a bit like a, a you know construction company that work on thin margins. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of, and I'm not saying these are mm-hmm. in that space, but it's a bit like that. We're seeing a lot of the small um, domestic builders going under at the moment, um, and it's only because something one little slip in one of the divisions, or you know, the costs of something has gone up, that it's really really impacted upon their overall business. So um, that's all I'd say about those. But it looks like it's it's doing extremely well. Um, it's over in WA, so you know it's exposure to the mining sector, and that would be, uh, I dare say, pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go, Duratech. It's a hold from both of my guests. Next one on the list is Sunrise Energy Metals. This is for you, Terry. Hope you're watching or listening. Um, Josh, I'll start with you on Sunrise Energy Metals. So it is um, yet another company that is looking to sort of leverage the space of these um, you know forward facing metals and minerals but from my understanding it's also got a bit of a like a recovery program um, as well mm. Do, are you familiar with it no not the recovery yeah. program no um, look we like we like obviously the space and you know if you if you're thinking on a five ten year sort of time frame um, this is going to do quite well uh, they've got a bit of exposure to obviously nickel cobalt projects but uh, they're, they're starting to move into they got a grant just recently for um, some solar farm activity as well so the cost of solar has gone down by about well, it's, it's cut in quarter than where it was about 12 months ago. So we like that area of the market. This is not one that we'd be comfortable stepping into. It's just had declining revenues for, for quite some time. Um, and uh, yeah, nothing nothing really sort of jumping out from, from a buy perspective. Um, there's a lot of these sort of companies on the market. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've definitely got your pick, um, but we definitely prefer something a little bit larger in the space, that's for sure. Okay, yeah, it's uh, Sunrise Battery Metal Materials Complex in New South Wales. Um, one of the most, it says largest and most cobalt rich nickel laterite deposits in the world, development ready, key permits, approvals in place. Um, look, they are, and it's not throwing, you know, it's not being negative, but they're not like, mud. well, dime a dozen though, right now, a lot they of are. these companies. There's lots of them. Yeah. You know, uh, I call it a bit of euphoria. You know, when 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 a metal has or, or some sort of 
material has you know a, sh a price rise significantly. We saw it in lithium. You know, years ago we saw it in the gas prices. We we've seen it in oil many times. Um, uh, you start to get this euphoria built into them, and then all of a sudden, some companies that are out there drilling holes for gold are now drilling holes for cobalt or, or whatever. So I'm not sure this company fits into that category, but there are a lot of them. It's quite a large market cap. It's a $170 million market cap, which um, you know is interesting. It's sitting on about $20 million in cash. They're burning over a million dollars a quarter. Um, so that $20 million is probably only going to last another two years, maybe. Um, or if those costs start to increase, which they probably will with the drilling programs. They've got that one um, at Sunrise East. There's another project um, which um, is called Hylia Project, um, which is north of Sunrise. So that'd be in New South Wales as well. Then they've got a Burra Creek project. Not sure how far into that. Normally companies like this would be focusing on yeah, their key project, which I would say is Sunrise East for them. But um, yeah, there's a bit of focus on the secondary project as well. Um, share prices drifted lower for the last sort of yeah, 12 months, had a bit of a pick up in the last sort of two to three. Um, I would be saying that I don't need to go there. You know, I'm not saying sell it if someone's bought it and they understand it and understand you know what's in the ground and that then they, they obviously have a bit more knowledge of this than I do but um, yeah look it's not something I'll be going for um, so I'd be saying you know yeah, it's not something I'd be investing in. Yeah, got it. So that is for Sunrise Energy Metals. But it's a lot bigger than I thought it would have been, as in, you know, $170 million market cap. Yeah, look, just looking through, I mean, it's interesting to see the shareholding. Um, one of the biggest shareholders is its uh, one of its non-executive directors. It's got Fidelity Management and Research as a significant shareholder as well. But yeah, I just always find when I've got to sort of scratch my head to really understand what it's yeah. doing. It I mean, if you've got institutions on the share register, they've generally done a lot more work. Mm -hmm. um, um, so that's a good indication, a positive indication. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say that the, you know, the the fund managers get it right all the time, um, but you know that's an indication that that someone's done actually a fair bit of work mm -hmm. on what's potentially in the ground, um, and that's what it all comes down to: what's potentially in the ground. Another sign of just the saturation in the market is all of the companies that are listing lately have got the word energy in them yeah. um, and they have got no assets you know they've energy got an metals. idea for a mine <laughs> energy yeah, metals exactly so <laughs> one of the stocks that we looked into today was a typo of a upcoming ipo so we had a brief yeah. read of that prospectus and uh, it was a very good example of that yeah all right so let's get to the next company on the list that's been nominated by you our viewers if you would like to do so please email us the call at osbiz.com.au. Our ninth stock today is APM Human Services International. APM is a ticker code from Yaz, saying bought in around a low of $2 and recently it's been under relentless selling pressure even though the founder bought $2 million worth of shares in December 22nd. So I think uh, our, our viewer just wants to know what's going on. I do note that uh, earlier this month it got new contracts being awarded in North America. Um, so what do you think about APM Human Services, Josh, from Macro Capital? Um, yeah, again, another new listing on the market. It's been on the market for a couple of years. Um, it has never gone higher than where it kind of listed as well. So that's always a concern with new listings. Um, that is why people are hesitant to, to go in them. They will, you know, typically will struggle to go higher. 
than their IPO price, especially a couple of years ago. Um, companies were listing on huge valuations at that time as well. Um, it's still nearly worth about two bill, um, but it does look quite ugly. You know, um, director buying is not necessarily a bad, it's not a bad thing, that's for sure, um, but it's not necessarily a good thing. These guys have got a lot longer time frames. Um, they also have, uh, you know, sort of bias towards how good they think their company is too. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, don't read too much into that as your only investment thesis. There needs to be a lot more going for them. Look, macroeconomically, it should be doing quite well mm-hmm. with low employment. They help, uh, you know, place disadvantage. So it's you know, could come up on a bit of impact investing and ESG scores, but um, yeah, they're getting government funding as well. So yeah, I think this company's got um, the ability to do well, um, but it just doesn't seem to be, you know, drawing too much of a you know, net benefit for its shareholders at that time. So for that reason, um, I wouldn't hold it. Um, I'd actually look to get out of it. That's a sell for APM Human Services, Francesco. Uh, yeah, well, we're, we're the opposite, actually. We've got an accumulate on it, which I suppose you call that a soft buy. Um, the company's got um, a lot of medium to long-term contracts with government, uh, which tells me that this, you know, particularly in the human resources and human services side of things, which can be very volatile, might sort of take a bit of that volatility out of their earnings. Um, it, it's, you know, we've got a trading on, you know, Current PE is at 15, but we see growth next year and bring that PE down to about 11. So um, I think that looks quite attractive. Maybe they did um, um, overprice it at the IPO, and now that it's been sold off, it looks more attractive. I would suggest um, Josh is 100% right. You go back a few years, and um, you know some of the floats that we've seen um, were well overpriced for the market, and I'm not a fan of. Uh, IPOs the way they've done them over the last five to ten years because um, instead of the institutions making the price the the, the vendors are, are forcing the retailer to make the price um, which tends to push it a bit higher than it should be um, and you know if you're taking the risk of, of buying it uh, on an IPO and, and, and hasn't got a history of trading on the market um, you know you, you deserve to be rewarded a bit more for that that sort of risk, and uh, I think um, we've seen that risk in this share price here. It's come off a bit, and I think um, now it's presenting good value. So yeah, I'd be a you know accumulate, but that that's a soft buy. So that's say. on value, yeah. It says yeah, it's on value, to, yeah. yeah. No, look, you know, it's 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 making profit. It's it's you know it's it's earnings. You know, it's profit in twenty one. We're looking at seventy five million. 22, we're looking at 115 million, 23, 127. So there's growth in their profitability as well. Um, yeah, so, and they've started paying dividends as of last year. So, um, you know, expect, you know, a better dividend next in 23 for the whole year um, of about 4%, 5, 4.5%. And it's still going for growth. It's looking to increase yeah. market share. It's looking to potentially be acquisitive and yeah. also continue to enter new markets. Yeah. But yeah, you've got a feel for people who bought in at the IPO. Yeah, but uh, I think those that bought in our power can be a bit patient now unless they sold it early. Um, the other thing with their earnings, you know, they're, they're, they're in you know, multiple countries, you know, 11, I think it's in a 10 or 11 countries, you know, Aussie, UK, US, Canada. So they're in, you know, very good, solid jurisdictions. So, um, you know, I, I, th- I think there's some, some positives there. Okay, got it. Thank you, guys. We are running out of time, but we've got time for Charter Hall. 
Uh, let's just see if this came from Hugh. Hugh, there you go, CHC. Now you were talking about Charter Hall Longwell. Yeah, 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 that's so. right. And this is Charter Hall Group is yeah, is is the, the actual parent, parent yeah. the manager. Um, look, we've got a buy on it. I'd probably be a little bit more cautious than a buy at the moment. Uh, but as far as you know, it's it's more of a developer than a property trust. So you're looking at growth in this, um, and you know you're not looking at a normal property trust PE and that sort of thing. Um, you know, I would say the two two best performers in that space are Goodman Group or Charter Hall. Uh, at the moment, our guys are preferring Charter Hall, um, but I do like Goodman as well. But I don't think you need to rush into this space in this environment at the moment. I think there might be some more opportunities ahead. So this is still your cautious stance. It brings us right back to the beginning of this program. Josh, Charter Hall, thoughts? Yeah, again, it's it's buying into the management of the, the group rather than, you know, getting that direct exposure um, like you would with our, our previous read or, or the long mail read, for example. So I guess it just depends. Um, this is similar to, you know, maybe buying an ETF that covers the rates, um, but picking management a little bit here, which is obviously done quite well. They've got a, they've got a, a fair few good assets. Um, Francesco mentioned you want to have good tenants. You know, this has got blue chip tenants. It's got the Aussie government, Wes Farmers, Coles, Woolies, etc. So those sort of, you know, big blue chip names that aren't going to move. Um, you know, they're not going to shop around too much and probably just have to pay those rental increases. So, um, yeah, I think it's a hold. Um, we're not heavily in REITs and we're not in REITs at all, actually. Uh, it may start to get attractive in the in, in the future, but um, yeah, not not, uh, not 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 rushing into that market at the moment anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we've got a uh, an accumulate, as you mentioned, from Ordmanette, Macquarie, Outperform, City, a buy and UBS is neutral on Charter Hall. That, folks, brings us to the end of this Monday edition of The Call. Let me just summarize. So Megaport, it is a buy for Francesco. Uh, he thinks that the appointments that have been made recently have been sound. And uh, Josh would just prefer REA or zero in that space. He says that it's just a bit too early for Megaport. Duratec, it's a buy for Josh. He's done the research. He reckons revenue will continue to rise. And um, it, yeah, so it's a buy for him. If you're not that, uh, if you're not that familiar with it, you can have it on your watch list. It's a hold in uh, the view of Francesco. Sunrise Energy Metals. It's an avoid for Francesco. You just really need to understand what these companies are doing and how long it will take them to commercialize what they have planned to do. And uh, yeah, it's not a buy, it's an avoid for Josh as well. APM Human Services, it's a sell for Josh, it's an accumulate or a soft buy for the team at Ordmanet and Francesco. He thinks that it's got some pretty good value in it now that there's been that initial shakeout. And you just heard the guys talking about a charter hall, it's a buy, although Francesco is a little bit more cautious than that. And uh, Josh, you're a, you're a hold for charter yeah, hall, yeah, hold, but you're buying into management and their abilities in that uh, difficult space. All right, guys, thank you so much. Joshua Barker from Macro Capital. It's always nice to Thanks have you here. Me. Francesco DeStratis Pleasure from Ordinet. Always, always good to have the studio full as well, I've got to say. That is the show for this Monday, Tuesday. Don't forget, new episode of the Investment Committee. If you would like us to cover stocks for you, email us, thecall at osbiz.com.au, or you can tweet to us at osbiztv. Now, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today is coming up on The Pulse. Hope you stay with us.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 